Platforms like Ethereum have billions of dollars of market cap and large developer communities. However, it is still a challenge to build widely adopted dApps on it because of current limitations. Blockchain proof-of-work transactions are typically slow, and proof-of-stake transactions trade off decentralization to achieve high throughput. Transactions fees get expensive, especially for high network load times, scalability is low, and this creates a bad user experience. The company Polygon, previously Matic Network, solves some of these problems with their platform for Ethereum scaling and infrastructure development. Polygon combines the features of standalone blockchains like sovereignty, scalability, and flexibility with Ethereum, security, interoperability, and developer experience. These features enable scalable solutions on Ethereum and support a multi-chain Ethereum ecosystem. In this episode, we talked to Dennis Ermolin, a senior software engineer at Matic Network. Dennis was previously a so- senior software engineer at Animoca Brands and CEO of Moon Realm Entertainment before that. A few announcements before we get started. One, if you like Clubhouse, subscribe to the Club for Software Daily on Clubhouse. It's just Software Daily, and we'll be doing some interesting Clubhouse sessions within the next few weeks. Uh, and two, if you are looking for a job, we are hiring a variety of roles. We're looking for a social media manager, we're looking for a graphic designer, and we're looking for writers. If you are interested in contributing content to Software Engineering Daily, or even if you're a podcaster and you're curious about how to get involved, we are looking for people with interesting backgrounds who can contribute to Software Engineering Daily. Uh, Again, mostly we're looking for social media help and design help, but if you're a writer or a podcaster, we'd also love to hear from you. You can send me an email with your resume, jeff at softwareengineeringdaily.com. That's jeff at softwareengineeringdaily.com. Dennis, welcome to the show. Thank you. Today we're talking about blockchains, specifically Polygon, and which is previously known as the Matic Network. I'd like to start off by talking about why Ethereum is not the end-all be-all for building blockchain networks, for building smart contract applications. There has been a number of alternatives to Ethereum for building smart contracts and decentralized applications. Why is Ethereum not the perfect solution? Why are there alternatives to it? Right now, it's quite simple. It's scalability issue. So at the moment, Ethereum provides about 15 transactions per second, and it's not enough to for any serious mass adoption so far. And because the block space is scarce, the gas, the prices to get into the block is just growing exponentially, especially last like six months. So that's why there are more and more competitors arising that provides alternative solutions to Ethereum that are cheaper and faster. But as any blockchain, there is a trilemma problem. So it's a decentralization, it's a scalability and security. So Ethereum mostly focuses on decentralization and security. And 
So most of the alternatives, they are sacrificing either decentralization or security to gain the scalability. So as a layer one blockchain that as a base layer blockchain, it should be secure and decentralized at first. So that's why we are building Polygon to actually scale the Ethereum further, but rely on the security of Ethereum itself. So the networks other than Ethereum, they are often Ethereum compatible. Can you explain what Ethereum compatibility is? Yeah. So Ethereum is using Ethereum virtual machine or EVM. It's a basically execution environment for the smart contracts. So any programmer that knows Solidity, it's a programming language that is widely used for EVM-based smart contracts. Uh, They can just write some Turing-complete code and it will be executed in a decentralized way on EVM. So why the competitors are EVM compatible or Ethereum compatible is because the existing code base of some projects is just huge. Like I was working with so basically a prediction market project and it's just you know it's just huge that that's a lot of code and if some if the competitor want to want developers to to make a transition from ethereum to their solution it has to be compatible because otherwise nobody will want to redo the all the work from scratch it's like years and years of work like tens of thousands human hours of work so that's why they most of them they provide this evm compatible environment so it's easy to make a transition for existing developers and plus the whole ethereum ecosystem developers they are they don't have to learn another language that might be have even more problems so because like solidity it's constantly upgrading and it's very careful work should be done because it's billions of dollars are on stake so of course nobody wants to try something new because it's it's expensive it might it might be insecure not battle tested enough yeah that's most of the reasons why alternatives want EVM compatibility. So if I write and deploy a smart contract to Ethereum, and then I write and deploy another one to an Ethereum-compatible network that is not Ethereum, can those two smart contracts communicate with each other? They can't really communicate with each other in a way like within the same transaction, like within the same environment, because they basically two separated databases internally. And in theory, it would be possible if, for example, machine could run like two blockchains at the same time. But in practice, Ethereum is difficult to run. Like it's not an easy task for consumer-grade machine to run the Ethereum node. 
and the high throughput alternatives they they require like like specialized equipment so in the, in in the practice it's not feasible to run two chains at the same time and make them like fuse together so the way two smart contracts can communicate like in quotes with each other it's an off-chain messaging some some kind of off-chain messaging protocol our polygon bridge for example so we have ethereum chain and matic chain or uh, matic side chain so the way you transfer the token from ethereum to polygon is by locking the tokens on ethereum side in the bridge contract and then the bridge contract emits the special event that being picked up by our chain and then within the consensus they mint tokens that were emitted uh, on the Ethereum chain. So it's basically some message being picked up by our chain. And it works this a bit different way from the Polygon to Ethereum because Ethereum don't have this special uh, modified code that can pick up the events from Polygon. So the way it's done from Polygon to Ethereum, the tokens being burned on Polygon side and then user provides special proof to the bridge contract. And then when the bridge contract checks that proof is valid, it just unlocks the necessary amount of the tokens on Ethereum chain. So this is, this is the example how smart contracts might communicate with each other. So we can pass the same way any arbitrary data between chains. So it's uh, it's not instantaneous. It's not within the same transaction, but it's possible. You you might even like perform calls on a different chain, like you passing whole transaction, like signed transaction between the chains, and then one of the sides can just execute the transaction within the EVM. So these blockchains, other than Ethereum, that are Ethereum compatible. What are they sacrificing and what are they gaining in their alternative architectures? Yes, so the majority gains are in the scalability, in the performance, like how many transactions per second they can execute. But what they sacrifice is either decentralization or security. So it's hard to tell like what is mostly popular. I, I think like in 2017, like EOS or right now Binance Chain, they mostly sacrifice in decentralization because like 20 machines are running. So if less machines are running the same code over and over, like replicating the execution process, it's easier to push the limits of the node. But some are actually have a lot of nodes, but I think they sacrifice in security and some of them like have really, really noble ways of achieving the consensus within the chain, within the network. 
So it's not battle tested and we still don't know like, what are the security holes, potential holes are there. So basically one of those. Yeah. Since the scalability is the problem, they push in the throughput and sacrificing mostly the security, I would say. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, but at the same time, when you sacrifice in decentralization, it's also sacrificing security at the, at the same time, in a way. Because if less uh, nodes in the network, it's easier to to break the consensus to different kinds of attacks, like collusion of the validators, for example. Got it. And just to go a little bit deeper on that, so when you talk about breaking security or breaking decentralization, is that because there are fewer nodes that are validating the transactions? Yes, correct. Yes. That's a decentralization aspect of that. Because, yeah, as I said, it's easier to game the chain if there are less nodes to be compromised, or they just they just can yeah just they just can collude with each other and steal the funds eventually. It depends on consensus, but generally, more nodes in any decentralized system, like more elements in there, will provide better decentralization and inherently security. When I'm talking about security and decentralization, the connection between them, that's just censorship resistance and the security of the funds in general, because the security aspect is a bit different aspect, more like consensus and how stable the chain might be. Okay, so let's start to talk about some of these different Ethereum-compatible blockchain networks. We've done shows on, on a few of them. We've done shows on uh, a show on Polkadot. I think I might have done a show on Cosmos. I can't quite remember. But can you just tell me, g- give a few examples of Ethereum-compatible networks, the trade-offs they make, and maybe whether or not they have any usage or, or, or what their use cases are? For example, Tron. I think this is the most famous EVM-compatible chain at the moment. Yeah, so Tron was originally a fork of Ethereum client written in Java. So uh, right now, I'm not sure where are they in terms of development, but I guess they just continued with that. Otherwise, the, it would be a, might be a problem to upgrade to give the client that was that is maintained right now by the Ethereum community. So the Tron is running, as far as I know, it runs on the POA, like a proof of authority kind of network. So basically, it's something like Binance Chain as well. Yeah, so here they mostly lack of decentralization because uh, I don't know 
exactly how many validators in Tron, but it's probably less than 20. And yeah, I believe that most of the nodes, uh, same with Binance Chain, is just being controlled by the Tron Foundation. And it's basically just sidechain that runs on under the Tron Foundation. So as long as the Tron stays trustable, uh, as long as people trust in this chain, I guess people are fine with that. The other EVM compatible chain, I mean Binance chain too, it's pretty much the same story as Tron. I'm trying to find like something other than that, that is EVM compatible. Uh, Phantom, I know, but to be honest, I'm not sure like their stats, but they definitely sacrificing something <laughs> because it's still it's layer one. So it's a standalone chain. They definitely don't have the securing properties of Ethereum, not even close. So any chain like ontology, same, probably it's proof of stake system. So proof of stake systems, they tend to be faster than the proof of work systems due to the fact that you, you don't have to perform the work itself. The proof of stake systems usually don't replicate smart contract execution all over the whole network. Usually proof of stakes, they have some kind of cycle of validators so each time like let's say every five seconds the network decides which node will produce the next block this way the it can scale way beyond that proof of work networks can do because it's just one node producing block at the same time and the rest are they just agree on the result um, proof of authority is pretty much like proof of stake, except there is no nothing at stake. It's just nodes that are producing blocks. So it's even even worse system, to be honest. It's just being like, trust us that we're gonna produce valid blocks, and that's why it's called proof of stake, uh, proof of authority. Yeah. So the most harmony, also EVM compatible all those chains they're mostly proof of stake and of course they're sacrificing either security or decentralization as i know like harmony have a lot of validators as far as i know but they're using novel uh, consensus that has been different and we don't really know what might arise from the security stand of point all right, so we've talked through the domain a little bit. Why don't you give me a high-level explanation of what Polygon is? So the Polygon, let's say there is a Polkadot with this idea of interconnected blockchains, where there is, a, I don't remember what they call base chain, and there are parachains that are being connected to the base chain. And those parachains can communicate with each other in a way like uh, I told you this bridge, like messaging. 
but in an optimized way. So the polygon is something like Polkadot, but the, instead of base chain, that is just chain on itself, like Polkadot, we use Ethereum for that. And we derive the security of Ethereum in a way that the results of execution on Polygon side is being saved on Ethereum. So the final state of the whole ecosystem is being set in stone on, on the Ethereum side that is way more secure than any smart contract platform out there, like Magnitude's more secure and decentralized. So the problem with the all L2 solutions right now that they're pulling away the users and the projects from each other from Ethereum and the space become fragmented, like heavily fragmented. So the, the, the main purpose of Polygon first is to solve this fragmentation problem and fragmentation of liquidity if we call if we talk about DeFi. Because the application so the Polygon SDK allows developers to create like chain that is specific for their dApp. So they can tune speed and security purposes, speed and security parameters that fits their application. For example, some financial DeFi application probably want their users' funds to be as secure as possible. So they might go with like ZK rollup, for example, as a way to scale their, let's say, polychain, like, like Polkadot's parachains. And maybe there is some game dApp that don't want that, but they don't want to scale a lot. So they might go with some easier solution, like proof of stake solution. So it's very fast and very scalable chain, but at the same time, it lacks some of the security attributes of ZK rollups, for example. And the base chain of, of the Polygon ecosystem that is being connected to Ethereum it can pass the messages between those polychains. And this way, we unlock the liquidity between those chains. And basically, we just merge all those chains within one huge space and they can interact with each other. So it's not fragmented anymore and it becomes like a whole. And yeah, not to mention that now developers can easily spin up chains and tune the security and scalability as they want it to be. So it's very, very easy to spin up those chains. So in a way, our scalability of Polygon ecosystem is just infinite because DAP can just spin up their own chains and we can spin up infinite amount of chains again and again, and all of them being secured by the Ethereum uh, layer and uh, the very basic base chain. They all, all tied to, to that. Just to take a step back, I kind of want to revisit this. What are the applications that need these alternative Ethereum compatible chains today? Right now, um, most of it is DeFi dApps. Like, uh, for example, Aave, they moved to us, like, months ago over 3 billion of liquidity is secured on polygon chain right now so demand is there uh, sushi swap curve 
Binance, they're all moving away from Ethereum because the gas and the transaction price is just ridiculous right now. Four-digit transaction price at the moment. So yeah, mo mostly it's DeFi applications at the moment because it's uh, the most popular dApps on Ethereum right now. But there are more uh, projects moving to us, some NFT projects, some games. They all looking for cheap alternatives because you really can't achieve anything if for any small action you have to pay like 10 15 dollars and it's like it's minimum absolute minimum like some transaction takes like thousand dollars which is obviously too much so there are DeFi applications that are actually using these smart these alternative ethereum compatible networks today there are like smart contracts being deployed to polka dot or to Cosmos and like serving production traffic today? Yeah, on Polkadot, I have to check if they have like existing dApps migrated to there. But I know that, uh, let's say SushiSwap, they, they also on the Phantom, for example. So they deployed on several chains at the same time. Like uh, XDAI, uh, Phantom, uh, Matic Chain. On Polkadot, probably they have their own ecosystem. Now let me check. Yeah, most of it I see it's. Some of them actually are what was on Ethereum, like ADEX Network, for example. I remember they was on Ethereum before. So I'm not sure if it was just reboot or they somehow they just mapped it to Polkadot. But most of it are just new original tokens that are being developed directly on the Polkadot. So far, the most applications that they transitioned and migrated from Ethereum to, to Matic Chain is I mean, we're, we're just dominating this space at the moment. Because even if we take like Binance Chain, Binance Chain has mostly projects that were built on the Binance Chain directly. So in the in this regards, we're uh, leading this, this space right now. So I've heard a lot about Binance and Binance Smart Chain. I don't know that much about it. Can you tell me a little bit about what it is that that piece of infrastructure does and, and what impact Binance has on the decentralized world? Yeah, so Binance Chain is basically it's a fork of Ethereum uh, client, uh, GIF. Uh, they modified it so it works in a proof-of-stake fashion. So you can stake uh, BNB, the token, to validators and I guess earn some rewards uh, here. I'm not, I'm not sure. But I think Binance Chain, since they, they uh, so the, the bridge to Binance Chain is not decentralized. It's 
pretty much the gateway to Binance chain is the Binance itself. So it's incredibly centralized solution that is basically like a chain baked by Binance. And the impact it does on Ethereum itself, I don't think it's like inherently bad because the Binance chain on its own, it didn't like it didn't attract the existing projects. I mean, probably some of the projects moved like Harvest Farm and some other projects, but in general, it gave a birth to like quite a lot of absolutely new dApps just were deployed on the Binance side. And I think in some ways good because it's easy to onboard for the regular or any new user because you just get to Binance and Binance is the biggest exchange out there. So obviously they have a lot of customers and then they just can go to Binance chain and do like relatively cheap transactions because now the Binance coin is increased in value, like substantially increased, which of course increases the gas price in US dollar equivalent. And um, recently the Binance chain also experienced in this limited block space because it's still Ethereum is just pumped a bit. Like there's bigger blocks basically and they are short in time, but generally it's the same, same Ethereum. So it has the same problem. So once it hits, it hits the limit, the gas starts to skyrocket. But comparing to Ethereum, it's still much, much cheaper transaction even now. And so getting back to, to impact, uh, I think it's good because any new user can just start using blockchain, some DeFi, and he's not being scared away by Ethereum transaction prices and block time. So it's in a way it's good. It's not good in a way that it kind of tries to compete with Ethereum, but I think it's not that big of a deal because the layer two solutions on Ethereum, they are coming and Binance chain will not able to compete with whole Ethereum ecosystem eventually. Okay. so. Revisiting Polygon, how does Polygon compare to some of these other Ethereum-compatible alternatives like Cosmos or or Polkadot? Okay, so uh, the main difference is that we don't build separate chain that is basically compete with Ethereum, but instead we derive the security properties of Ethereum and we are interconnected with it. So assets just can move back and forth and we just assist the new projects and projects that are running right now to scale and attract more users. I think that's the 
main difference. Like in a way, we look the same. That we st- we have this uh, some child chains, like parachains, polychains that are specific to the application or for some group of applications, and that are can be interconnected within the polygon system. But the the biggest difference that we are part of Ethereum itself. So we combine and going to be combined, combining the best scalability methods like optimistic rollups, ZK rollups, proof of uh, proof of stake bridges, and all of it will be part of this gigantic ecosystem that will scale Ethereum beyond like way beyond it can achieve and we can scale it like enough to meet the mass adoption requirements is there a coin associated with polygon yeah it's a magic token because we we were a magic network before so we had magic token and then we have decided to rebrand polygon to to meet the our new direction better but uh, since the token is already written on chain we can't really change it uh, yeah so it just stays as magic token right now and where is the engineering with polygon today like what has been built and what's on the roadmap so I don't know the details of the roadmap. We're still uh, working on it. But what is ready is the better version of SDK for Polygon. So that's some building blocks for spinning up the chains. We are working on the on the third version of the currently running uh, Matic uh, chain. We plan to, to, to make it just better in a way that we want to go away from the original Ethereum consensus and make it better suitable for proof of stake environment. Cause now we run the Nakamoto consensus. That's basically Bitcoin consensus uh, original and it's not really well suitable for high throughput. Uh, chains so we will use uh, much better istanbul bft uh, consensus which which is much more stable and faster in, in general we also work on like i personally work on data availability chain it's a specialized chain that will bake our polygon chains and can be used like as like blockchain as a service for other chains as well. And the main purpose for for it to solve the data availability problem for layer two solutions. That's besides like all the work around like wallet and our infrastructure, like working with Infurer to scale our RPC. Uh, nodes because our usage of the network was surging 
during this week it's just exploding like we we were doing like one week ago we ago we were doing like seven or six hundred thousand transactions a day and now it's almost three million and uh, yeah we need we need better infrastructure to handle the load but in general yes that's what we are working right now that's uh, big and tough tasks and they need some time and uh, engineering engineer work okay well we're nearing the end of our time maybe we can take a step back even further and i'd just like to get your perspective on where things are going and where we're at in terms of DeFi today DeFi feels very much like a casino it's it's a casino that's running really, really well and really successfully, and there's lots of trans, lots of abstractions there. But how does DeFi get from a casino to a place that has imp- positive impact on the average consumer? That's a tough question because I think um, since it's just emerging technology and all technologies like internet. They just get in through this bubble stage. And bubble stage is being led by scammers, rug pulls, and all kinds of stuff. Back in 2017, there was ICOs. Now it's DeFi. And I think it's just like a part of the evolution, I would say, like this cycle when people got burned enough on a scale that finally like this depression stage will come and only the real products will just arise from the ashes and that what happened like with amazon and google in the past yeah i think we're just not there yet we're still in this gambling stage bubble stage but eventually we will come there because defi is a really great idea and it's a great tool financial tool and i think there is a future fundamentally but on the short term right now yes as you said it's like a gamble like it's a play money all around and i think that's just part of the journey how long it's gonna take i'm not sure i don't know but there there is an end at some point of course cool well that sounds like a good place to close off Thanks for coming on the show, and it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you, too, for inviting me.